We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. The son of a public school teacher and the grandson of an entrepreneurial grandmother. Brian Colley is an old soul, a real estate lawyer in Charleston, South Carolina, commercial and residential. Brian's life passions are his family, his friends, and Clemson football. As an attorney, Brian has done the things. His name is on the shingle with his law partner, Jim Buxton. He did well in law school, got an MBA, got an LOM. What more from a credential perspective might one ask for? But the arc of life inevitably shows in ways unique to everyone that life's not all about that. For Brian, perhaps it has become more clear in how he invests his time, for as they say, one's calendar is the best demonstration of their priorities. As Brian enters the next season of his career in life, as a more experienced attorney plus raising older children, the question is, what's next? What, if anything, does he hope changes or he can do more of? And then perhaps circling back, what did he learn from his entrepreneurial grandmother, who blazed a trail of financial independence in what was then rural South Carolina? Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast, Brian. KP, thanks for having me, man. Um, and uh, I'm I'm flattered that somebody would think I'm interesting enough to interview. So thanks, bud. Yeah, man. Um, happy <laughs> happy to have you. Uh, I think the thing you know, there's this episode is privileged in the sense that uh, I probably know you and you know me better than any other guest that's ever been on here. That being said, there are things about you, like as you sort of think and you inventory like your life experience that have not been explored. Sure. And, and one of the things I think is about your grandmother um, in the sense that, um, you know, this is a person who is very successful um, and at a time when perhaps being a woman and successful in that way wasn't, was an outlier, way more of an outlier in a place where, um, uh, perhaps the outside didn't perceive economic opportunity. Sure. And I think that there's maybe ground to till there. And so I wanted to just see sort of what, what you're willing to explore there. Sure. So my grandmother who just turned, uh, gosh, I, she wouldn't be upset with me if I got the age wrong. I think it's 85. It's either 84, 85 back in November. Um, she is still going strong. She has got a ton of energy. She is one of the most delightful people uh, that I've ever been around in my life. And she's she's kind of the rock of my mom's side of the family. It's it's my it's my maternal grandmother. And, uh, you know, her life story is is very interesting in the sense of she grew up the daughter of a, you know, kind of a, a, a rural minister who owned a little country store on kind of the outskirts of, of Somerville, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, she she finished high school, but no no education past high school. And, um you know, just always been uh, a, a very spiritual person, um, very committed churchgoer, um, incredibly ethical and incredibly hardworking. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes you look at your own life and you're like, man, I'm I'm lazy and I, I think I'm a hard worker, but I'm lazy compared to 
to granny. That's what I call her as granny. But um, she, um, you know, her and, and her, my grandfather who's passed, uh, and that's kind of another story, but uh, about their relationship. But they had, you know, they had started many, many years ago, probably over 40 years ago with, with some real estate investments. And then my grandmother owned for a long time, I think maybe 20 years, a hair salon. So it wasn't just one business. I mean, she kind of had some, you know, some, some diverse business interests and her hair salon was incredibly successful. Uh, a lot of stylists, uh, you know, and it was tanning beds and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I live a different life in the sense that I'm a, you know, I'm a professional with a law degree and, and, and some other degrees and things like that. But um, as you get older, you realize the kind of the core tenets or the core keys to success of any business um, really are, you know, across industries, right? So she, great person, great leader, highly ethical, hard worker. She was successful. Those traits that I saw growing up and, and admire to this day um, are uh, things that I've tried to carry over into my law practice, which is certainly much different than a hair salon or, or rental properties. But um, those same attributes, I think, are keys to success in any business. Sure. Uh, about uh, the other the other thing we teed up at the beginning was being the son of a public school teacher. Um, and uh, I can't speak for South Carolina or Charleston specifically, um, and I think he may be retired, but the point is this. Uh, I know that you have a, a young daughter who goes to public school. Um, and public school education is uh, under a microscope, uh, in part because of some of the challenges that COVID presented. So I think um, I would be curious, like some of the lessons that you you learned from him, both as his son, but also like it, to me, I sort of analogize it this way: it would be like being the son of a coach. Like if you sure. played, if you played on a team, and like. Uh, he's both a teacher and your dad. And so was there, was there certain things that he impressed upon you on how to behave in, in school and like how, what are some, how are you seeing some of those things manifest your uh, oldest daughter and her um, educational experience? Sure. So uh, this is something, again, you've known me for a long time, Kevin, and and I don't know, I mean, I don't, don't know when this would have ever come up in conversation, but when I was in kindergarten, you know, and my mom, who is an amazing lady, uh, you know, she, she struggled a lot in school. She did not go to college. She, she's the type self-admittedly that, you know, kind of struggled to get C's in, in middle school and high school and things like that. And it wasn't, you know, out of effort. My mom is an incredibly hard worker as well, but um, she kind of knew she, I'm an only child and she wanted her son to have, you know, the best educational opportunities you know, opportunities that maybe she didn't have or just didn't have the capability for, uh, you know, intellectually, so to speak. And my mom is incredibly street smart. She, she might not have, um, she might not have had great grades in high school, but she is a very wise lady, but she actually had me tested and I got admitted to Porter Goud as a first grader. And my dad was a public school teacher because my mom, you know, thought, Hey, that would be a great pathway for my son, an opportunity that, you know, that, that I didn't have. And he encouraged her. He said, Hey, Kathy, give, give public school a chance. And, and looking back, she is so grateful that, that he kind of steered me that way. I had an amazing, you know, public school education, K through 12, 
or I say, you know, maybe first through 12, um, had my dad as a teacher in high school. And, uh, and, and it was a, a great experience. I, if, if I can give a, give kind of a little, maybe anecdote. Um, I've got a really close friend who went to Duke for college and he went to Harvard for graduate school and, and works for Harvard. And, and I remember him telling me many, many years ago, the one thing about public school is it's, it's one of the final, one of the final melting pot places that all kids of all different races and, and classes from income and all of that, they get to have kind of a shared experience before they then go to college and then go to the professional world where, you know, you don't, you don't cross paths quite as much. And um, so I think in that, in that aspect, public school, I think in the United States is incredibly important. Um, it's, it's not just, you know, the, the, let's use a football term, the X's and O's or, you know, the ABCs and the, and the one, two, threes, but it's also just getting to be in a, in a big environment with, you know, a lot of different types of people. And you learn, you make friends with different people that you might not have made friends with uh, in, a, in a private school. And that's not a knock on private school. I've got a lot of friends who are private school products who are an amazing people and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I can only speak to my experience, which was, was, which was public school. And, um, you know, as it, as it relates today, um, my oldest daughter is a kindergartner in public school, and it's you know not quite a full year, but we've had an amazing experience. Great teachers, great classmates, um, a very loving and nurturing school, and um, you know we can tell that our daughter is very happy there. And uh, so, so far, so good. Amazing, yeah. amazing. And so then, uh, I sort of forecast as I tend to do, take some editorial liberties. Uh, like this notion that you're entering in a different, like the next season of life in the sense that like, um, you know, your, your kids are getting, you know, one's in school age, the other's about to be. Um, then you have uh, your law practice. You've been doing this now for, I want to say going on 15 years. Um, getting, getting close to 15, yeah. Uh, so uh, you're on the shingle, as, as they say. And so... Uh, as you're thinking about what's next and sort of how how you inventory your priorities and sort of not as much related to like the business goals because I think sometimes those can be less interesting. Um, just like in life, uh, where what are some things that you're hoping uh, to see, whether it's with your family or in the world in Charleston? Uh, maybe you really want a Publix to be built. I don't know. Yeah. No. It's it's a it's a timely question too, Kevin, because uh, you know I turned I turned forty one in October, uh, and so you know people kind of joke about midlife crisis, and I certainly have not had a a midlife crisis, but um, you know some people I guess the you know they think of that as like hey I decided decided to start riding motorcycles right things like that. For me, you know I've got a, a, a almost six year old and almost three year old. I'm forty one and. You know, you just start to think about the next chapter. Uh, you start to think about it perhaps a little bit more deeply than than you did in your 30s. And uh, you know, one of the things let's let's talk about practice. And and I agree with you. Sometimes the financial aspect of business or a law firm is by far the least interesting thing to talk about. And it's one that I don't particularly enjoy talking about because you know it's it's not what interests me, so to speak. But one of the things that I've talked to my team here at the firm about is. I've really enjoyed, you know, really the leadership component of having a team and seeing young people succeed. It's it's really 
fun and fulfilling to see young attorneys come in. Maybe they've worked a few years at another place. Maybe they've never worked anywhere else. They, they've come out of law school and to see, you know, in large part through their own hard work and efforts, but, but maybe hopefully through a little bit of our leadership and tutelage, them turn into great lawyers and, and see them blossom in their own careers. That is immensely fulfilling. Um, being able to teach, and, and maybe I get a little bit of that from my dad, being able to teach some of the younger students uh, or, you know, law students who turn into lawyers, you know, teach them what I know and, and help them grow into their own role and see their confidence grow and see their abilities grow. That is that is by far the top of my list as far as things that I that I really love about about being in a firm, this firm. Um, you know, that's kind of on the on the professional level. So um, anything, you know, I can certainly talk about the personal, but anything you want to kind of explore there based on that, those comments? Let's, uh, let's go here. Um, so, uh, with respect to young lawyers or any lawyer, you know, I think, um, when you practice at a firm like yours, the size of yours in a place like Charleston, uh, having the privilege of living in Charleston, but leaving and seeing how much it has grown and changed. Um, it, it's, it's in some ways mind blowing. Um, and a part of me wonders like, how could you even do it now? How could you even like, as a young attorney, or even a lot, say if we just wanted to move on down, um, you've got to be able to like cultivate business, obviously, you've got to be able to, and so these are things that uh, that maybe for some, and perhaps for me, feel like a bridge too far, but if you're to lead and to vision cast and to encourage, you, you people want to see that path, and so how do you, how do you help um, your the people that are on your team and that you lead sort of cast their own net in a way that is able, enables them to kind of build the life that they want in a place that strikes me as very competitive. It is. It's a good question. Um, and, and there's a lot of pieces to that. Uh, one, I would say that Charleston has become, you know, I'll give kind of the maybe the quick 30 seconds on the evolution of Charleston as a place to, to live and do business. You know, for growing up in, in Somerville, which is, you know, suburb just right outside of Charleston, Charleston was, you know, there was a big Navy base here. There's, you know, there's still the Air Force base. The the Navy base closed with uh, under the Clinton administration with the, the BRAC, um, which was a lot of base shutdowns um, and certainly tourism. We had, we've always had the port. You know, now Charleston is is huge. There's Boeing, there's Vol Volvo, and these are sort of on the outskirts of Charleston, but there's a lot of tech companies um, one of the big things about COVID and, and Charleston is, you know, we did one of the things we do here at the firm is residential closings and the work from home, you know, uh, phenomenon has been big for Charleston because I'll be sitting in a closing with somebody who's moving here from Chicago and they work for a tech company and they're the CFO or maybe they're the, the general counsel. And, you know, they went remote work from home and they say, hey, we can live anywhere. Why not live in Charleston? restaurants, culture, beaches, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that has been a, a big boon to Charleston, in my opinion. Uh, that's my experience. 
Um, so Charleston is a very like diverse business community in the sense of the types of companies here. And it's exciting. Um, again, I kind of go to the hospitality. Hospitality is still big. Um, and I've talked to, to close friends of mine who are clients who are New Yorkers, you know, from Manhattan. And they say, pound for pound, Charleston's got some of the best restaurants, you know, that we've in any city in America. And I'm like, well, you're from New York. You know, how are you saying that? There's there's millions of people in New York. And they say, look, there might be more in New York. But again, pound for pound, Charleston is, is as good as it gets. But um, when you hear that from outsiders, you're like, wow, you know, maybe there is something, you know, there is something to this place. Um, and it is a special place. As that relates to young lawyers, I'm a big believer, Kevin, that if you if you've got a great attitude and you've got kind of the servant's heart and, you know, you are willing to work and kind of invest yourself that, that you can you can become a successful young lawyer in the Charleston community. There are certainly opportunities here. Um, and part of it is probably dependent on what you want to do. Um, you know, I can't speak a lot to like family law attorneys or criminal law. Those are just areas that I don't practice in. But from a, a business and real estate standpoint, if, if you've got the, you know, you've got high character and you've got the a, a ability to put yourself out there and 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 really kind of dive in and, and seek out people who are willing to to mentor. That's that's one thing I tell young law students, and I've spoken to some law, law students uh, at the Charleston School of Law, you know, once or twice. Um, people are eager to help out young lawyers. You just got to go out there and kind of and ask and ask for help and ask for ask for a coffee, things like that. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of older lawyers who I think, in my opinion, are, are willing to have those conversations and 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 tell you what they think and and where some of the opportunities might be. So um, I guess maybe the, to wrap that part up is there's always room for good people on on the Charleston bus, if you will. Yeah. So Love it. Okay, let's let's do this then because that that this exchange reminded me of uh, an exchange years ago, um, and I'm not going to get recount the specifics in one because my memory could not be completely accurate, um, and two, it's um, the specifics don't matter for the point. But the point is, many years ago, I remember you making a comment about an aspiration, what I would call a big dream, a big aspiration you had for um, like Clemson or like how, where you see sort of how you wanted to kind of grow into community involvement and being able to, uh, you know, influence things for the better. And the point of the, the point of that context is to say this, I remember at the time, being like, that is a really big dream. That seems way out, out in left field. I don't know that that, I don't know that that's within the bandwidth. Um, but now as you sort of fast forward 10 or 15 years later, um, it's probably a, a realistic comment to say it, it's more likely than it, than it is not. And the, the point about this context is to say, where, where did you, where do you dream big? Is that your mom, your grandma, your dad? Uh, because at that time, and looking back, I think there was some courage in, in having that as a dream and believing in your own mind that it could be possible. Yeah, um, you, you know, it's probably worth at least a small segue into, you know, why do I do what I do? And one of the things that I'd always really liked was small business. My grandmother was a small business person. 
And, you know, in my opinion, small business is kind of the backbone of, of this nation, right? I mean, we look, we as, as human beings, we need big business. We need Google and we need Zoom to, you know, kind of in the modern economy. But I also look at small business. If you look, you know, even where you live up in Charlotte, Kevin, probably the most fulfilling businesses that, that you and Elizabeth, uh, you know, and George frequent, you know, whether it's a little restaurant or a little wine shop or a little, you know, kid's store, those are probably small businesses. So big business is important for, you know, building your car, but it's the small businesses that really probably make your life more fulfilling. Okay. And the more impactful and the more meaningful. And so I'm a big advocate for, for small business. And so, you know, that's one of the, the reasons why I do what I do. That's an, those are important to me. Um, and I have a passion for them. Um, as it relates to like dreaming big, you know, a, a big part of my confidence and, and, and really my opportunity is from somebody that you're going to interview uh, in, in about 30 minutes, Jim Buxton. And, you know, Jim was a professor of mine in law school, taught me one, one class. Uh, we really hit it off. I was like, man, this is a, this is a great guy. This is a great professor and somebody who's passionate, you know, like I am. And a few years later, when Jim gave me the opportunity to join him, and, you know, we were in a little small office, you know, nondescript uh, off Ben Sawyer Boulevard. It was, you know, we had to have rats die in the attic. I mean, it was it was pretty humble, but we started getting, you know, and he had already had several and we started getting more small business clients. And and then I would go, you know, go into their restaurant or go into their retail store and, and you'd get to know the owner and you'd get to see, you know, the joy that they would have in owning that business you know, I was never not confident, but man, that's a big confidence booster to see, man, what I'm doing, a small piece of the puzzle, whether it's a lease review or whether it's an operating agreement or, or something, you know, like that, that has really helped this person start their business, something I can see in my own community. And, and you really kind of develop a big smile and a, and a, and a big, uh, you know, big dose of confidence that, hey, you can build a small corporate real estate boutique in this town and really help a lot of people. And that's not the first time I started to dream, but that's certainly the first time I think that I started to say, man, I might be able to kind of fulfill some of the dreams I've had to do this. And this is real. And um, it really kind of took off and and gratefully and humbly, it has not really stopped since. And that was uh, that was over 10 years ago. Yeah. Cheers to that. Uh, our, our parting shot. Um, uh <laughs> I, I I very rarely uh, ask such direct questions on these episodes, in part because I don't have the privilege of knowing the guest as well as I do you. But sure. uh, today, uh, as we're recording this, is a pivotal day in the life of Clemson football. <laughs> uh, you know, things have changed uh, for them, and uh, and you have the benefit of. Uh, knowing people, investing in people in and around that university, care deeply for it, uh, not just from an athletic perspective. Uh, but if you were king, philosophically, uh, what are you hoping to see uh, uh, next year? Are you talking about uh, in Death Valley on the field? Yeah, just, 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 yeah, just. Um, you know, and, th and this can go as broad as you'd like it to be. It could be X's and O's like, hey, I really want us to see B, you know, X on offense or Y on defense. 
or it could be uh, you know something a little bit broader as it relates to uh, you know, maybe restoring the perception of uh, of what we all know and love about Clemson. Sure. How about this? Let me give you a, I'll give you a football answer. And I know we're running, running out of time. I'll give you a football answer, Kevin. And then I'll give you a Clemson University slash town of Clemson answer. How about that? I'll give Amazing. You let's, let's, let's end it there. Take yeah. us away. Yeah. So on the football field, um, you know, look, you and I are both incredibly passionate Clemson fans. Uh, you you were a fan before I was. I, I didn't become a fan until I got accepted there in, in 99. But, um, you know, after that, it's been it's been full steam ahead for me. And, and certainly your Clemson experience precedes that. But um, looking for, honestly, kind of a fresh offensive start, you know, looking for you and I, you know, we're, we're on a text chain together. And, and Clemson had lost, you know, kind of some of its sex appeal. You know, Clemson was the the program that was fun and exciting and full of big personalities and cool people. I mean, from Christian Wilkins and Deshaun Watson and, you know, and, and Mike Williams and, um, and Cleland Farrell, you know, those guys were cool and, and, you know, Travis Etienne and, and just kind of the stars. Um, you know, we were, I, I feel like several years ago, we were the coolest program in America. Um, you know, maybe one beat to Alabama. And we've kind of lost a little bit of that, that cool edge, you know, um, there, there seems to be a staleness. But I think that this new offensive coordinator hire has the ability to kind of refresh it and, and put us back, uh, put us back into the exciting category. I think probably Clemson fans needed it. I think that first game, I don't know who we who we start with next year, but the, at least the first home game, it's going to be packed. And I think people are going to be super excited to see, hey, what does Garrett Riley bring from a X's and O's from a scheme standpoint? So um, I think that that is a. Uh, that is was much needed and and certainly brings an element of of excitement. As far as Clemson University and the town of Clemson, um, you know it is. Look, Clemson in some respects is like Charleston. There's growing pains. It's become you know there's great restaurants and it's a it's a great place, but it um, traffic things like that. You know there's a lot of people living there now, and for people who've been there for a long time, just like in Charleston, some of that traffic uh, you know causes some quality of life issues, but. Um, you know, if I can maybe put one thing on your radar that is, is such a neat thing to me as far as Clemson is, there's a new hotel down, uh, downtown Clemson called the Shepherd Hotel, and it is absolutely beautiful, Kevin. It is beautiful. And um, it has got a little restaurant and coffee shop on the first floor. Um, one great food. I'll, I'll give a huge plug to the food, but it's also staffed by a lot of Clemson Life graduates. And Clemson Life graduates are people who have been through um, either a two or an, I think there's a four-year program as well. But, you know, some of them have Down syndrome, but it's basically a, a college-like program for, for students with intellectual disabilities, um, you know, to learn life skills, you know, how to have a job, how to balance a checkbook, how to live independently. And these graduates, Clemson Life graduates who work at the Shepherd Hotel, you know, they'll bring out your food, they will, you know, bus tables, they have such a, a joy that they bring and a spirit to that, that first floor of the Shepherd Hotel, that it is magnetic. I mean, it brings people who aren't even staying at the hotel in there. And it is amazing to see. And um, that's a really neat program, a program that our firm has donated to Clemson Life. And, and one to see a new beautiful hotel that I, I think fits well into the streetscape of College Avenue and is uh, staffed with some really amazing stu Clemson students uh, and, and, and Clemson alumni. They have their own ring. 
Um, that has been something really neat to see. And I think just goes to the special nature of that university. And one of the many reasons why it holds a, um, a, a big, big part of my heart. So there you go, man. I love it. What a great way to end. I am a, I will double tap on the, your point that individuals who are part of the Clemson Life Program and, uh, and beyond the individuals similarly situated are some of life's greatest blessings. They Absolutely. really show you what life is really supposed to be about. It, it is. It is. In fact, if I can, I'll end it with Lauren and I were taking the girls for a walk around Clemson over Christmas. Um, and uh, we saw David Seville and he was walking to the and I said, David, and I went up and, and gave him a hug. And, and you know, he always ends with the Go Tigers and just smiling and, and so happy to be a part of the football program. And, you know, that it kind of it kind of gives you a pep in your step. You're like, man, I saw David Seville. You know, he's a he's a celebrity. But um, anyway, it is. Uh, it's a it's a special program at what I think is a very special university and um, a very special new business downtown Clemson that that they get to be a big part of. So yeah, man, thumbs up all around on that front, bud. Perfect. Well, this was way fun. Thanks for taking the time. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.